Welcome back to Following Noah on a Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 75, and we are covering chapters 71 through 76 of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. And boy, do we have some content to to cover this week. Uh, without further ado, Paul, how are you? Who's on our mug? I'm doing as great as I can be. Um, this week, uh, this is a pretty iconic week to, to be on the mug. So we have Mr. Mophead. Put that closer so y'all can read it. I'm really sorry my handwriting is bad, but I'm trying my best. <laughs> also, um, so our mug says... My birthstone is a coffee bean. And I thought that was funny. <laughs> that is all. I thought it was funny. I don't really like coffee much, if if even at all. Um, Hopefully Mr. Mophead does. Yeah, Mr. Mophead, I hope he, you really like coffee. Um, and what, because... what tier is Mr. Mophead? Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you bother is... asking him even? <laughs> Are you just trying to embarrass me yes. in front of my this friends? Is, this is this is fun for me now. <laughs> um, I think he he's an ardent. <laughs> you can't make this up. He's a surgeon. And <laughs> no, but one of the I I thought last last week I looked at it and I was like, okay, one of these like coming up is an ardent, and I thought it was. So I thought it was the last one since it wasn't it wasn't Robert. I was like, it has to be Mr. Mophead, right? Okay, well, no, and for everyone listening, like that, that is genuine. I really thought every week I actually think I'm right. Uh, okay, um, shout out to our surgeon, Mr. Mophead. Um, thank you, thank, thank you, you, Mr. Mophead. Thank you, Mr. Mophead. He'll get the he'll get it right one of these days, but it's not this day. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what are you two words? Uh, I have a single word, and that is sadness. Sadness. Yeah. Elliot, how are you? Doing good. As good as can be after getting a little wrecked by uh, chapter 76 there. But I, I almost decided to refuse to give you words and, and say that no words could, could do justice to these chapters. But then I actually went back and decided that I do have two words that that cover this, and my my two words are violent passions. Okay, violent passions and sadness. Let's use these words and talk about Oathbringer. All right, so we'll start with you, Paul. Sadness. I mean, I'm sure we can all guess, but what's sadness for? You know what it's for. No, it's um, uh, it, it's it's uh, encompassing the Dalinar realization that we get from the flashback chapter of Evie's passing and all the 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 um heartbreaking feelings that we as the reader witness okay and and elliot you want to talk about your words a little more yeah mine are probably fairly obvious as as well downlar shows off quite a bit of violence here in these these chapters and it's all driven by 
these passions that he's feeling or the thrill. We were really starting to see this recurring reference to passions. Seemingly, that, that there was reference to it with odium. There's some tie-in with like the thrill. There's even like been some Shalon bits that are now kind of talking about passions. It's It's becoming a really key theme almost through some of this and here we see it in full force where dalinar is sort of submitting himself to just the raw emotional passion that he's feeling seemingly driven by the thrill and the violence that unfortunately ensues from that we even had some moash content of passion uh last yeah back in part two where him and lush lush we asked him what is your burning passion moash and so that's when it really started. And then we got our odium content at the end of part two. And now we're in the depths of the rift here in episode 75. So the way I'd like to structure this episode is skip 71. And we'll talk about 72, 73, 74. And then we'll just talk about our down our flashback chapters altogether. So let's go ahead and start with chapter 72. And this chapter is titled Rockfall, and Shalon has taken it upon herself to get an invitation to the Cult of Moments. And the way she's decided to do that is hand out non-soulcast food. And so she's looked around herself and said, where can I find find non-soulcast food? Well, the rich people's houses. So she's become a sort of Robin Hood here, and she's robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. And so this is titled Rockfall, and it's kind of this food heist scene where a couple different things happen. But what were you guys' thoughts on on Rockfall here? And face value, it seems like a good thing that she's, you know, going and taking from the the highborn light eyes that are hoarding all their food, perhaps, and and sharing it with all of the the beggars and and poor that can't get a hold of any food. And there's even some bits. I think it was actually in the chapters from last episode where they showed like some of the soldiers even kind of being a little bit corrupt in the way they're distributing the food, and a lot of the food is actually going back to you know some of the light eyes sort of thing. So. At face value, this seems like, you know, okay, good good on you, Shalon, for, for righting some of this wrong and, and getting noticed by the cult of moments while doing some good at the same time. But then at the on the flip side of that, that there's even more examples in this chapter of Shalon's battle with her, I'll call it split personalities, I guess, which we'll we'll talk about here in a second. But I yeah. Good job for doing a good thing, Shalon. I guess we'll start there. I honestly didn't have too many strong thoughts about this. Um, I mean, I don't... In my head, I'm like, okay, why aren't we getting on with the, like, unmade business? Like, why are we yeah. doing this little side quest, you know? Um, so, uh, like, just being honest, I kind of breezed through a bit of this um, and wasn't super invested mm -hmm. um 
it's I in my head it's kind of the question of like Shalon is doing good, right? She she's like helping people who need help. But I always am worried for Shalon's like mental well being in all of this. Uh, oh yeah. That's been the reoccurring thought for a while, as I'm I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows. <laughs> if you've listened to any of the episodes before this. So she takes the persona of Brightness Nananov, who is, uh, which side note is like almost a perfect palindrome, except you have to add like one little stick onto the V to make it an N and then it would be, so like visually it would look like really close to, I just think that's really cool. Um, but she's like this, you know, self-entitled uptight bright like brightness nanana of i'm entitled to all this food and she takes on her persona and then instantly has like no self-control over how she filters it and uh vatha even comments on it when she's ordering all the guards around in the in the palace he's like she's known as you know like difficult not insane like you're going a little too far with this and then at the end of it, she has um, a, a mention about it's weird being in that that woman's head. And then Voth is like, yeah, I bet she's kind of crazy. And then uh, she's like, no, oh, no, I was talking about Shalon. I'm Vale. And you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I've come to the realization that Shalon is like a sponge. Every every little personality she comes across or or impersonates even or even like briefly puts herself in their headspace, she just like soaks up that personality and becomes that person. And like like in this case, it's almost instantly she just becomes this woman and starts to act that way, and then almost has difficulty like getting back to Vale or getting back to Shalon. It's I, I think a lot of our fears are are really coming to fruition here of Shalon is getting lost in this plethora of personas that she's got for herself. And she is, if she's not careful, this is going to go somewhere where she like becomes a whole different person and can't get out of that person. It's there's some weird places this might end up going for Shalon. I think there's a specific dialogue at the end of the chapter where well, actually, it's in the middle of the chapter. There's the second part of this chapter. But she has a self-dialogue in her mind where she gets scared by her not like being too caught up in Nanadev. And she strips away all of her illusions except for Veil. So she says, she says to herself, take down everything. Take down all of the illusions. I'm just Veil. Well, well, wait a yeah. minute. You're, no, you're not. Like that—that's a—that's one of your layers. You need to take that one down too, to be who you like. So there's a very specific nuance there. Of she thinks in her head, I need to take down every single one of my illusions, down to veil, like down to who I am, veil. And you're like, no, you—you're not veil. <laughs> like that's that's one of your illusions. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking, and she has been Vale a whole lot lately, so I don't know, I guess she's just gone too far with that. 
And, you know. and there's something to be said for, you know, like becoming a new person. Like that is a thing. You, you can, you know, change your life and act differently and decide I'm, I'm going to, you know, draw a line in the sand and become a new person. And if Shalon is becoming Vale, like that, there is a potential for that to be harmless, I guess. But at the level that Shalon is doing it at this point, I think is way beyond harmless. This is really dangerous of she doesn't even know who she is anymore. Or, or she's even like antagonistic towards her real self. She'll have all these thoughts as veil of like, oh, how weak Shalon is. Or, oh, yeah, that's uh, Shalon girl. She's head over heels for Adolin. But, yeah, I kind of prefer, you know, that, you know, dark Kaladin, brooding Kaladin over there. It's, she... She she can't even like come to grips with what reality is anymore. She has a she has a moment where she's going back to the hideout and then she's she's veil and thinking, Oh, I should go find Kaladin and flirt with him, you know? And you know, if Adolin walks up, he'll be like, What what are you doing? Like <laughs> we're we're literally engaged. What are you doing? And what would Shalon's reaction to that be? Oh, we're not engaged. Shalon is engaged to you. I'm Vale, you know? Like, that would be get really confusing, really dangerous, really quick. And it'll be like, uh, get me out. It was. It was It was really, honestly, sad to see. And so, like, specifically with that, I, I kind of forgot about that little detail. But, like, that was just, like... Come on, like, do this. But it does play into my, uh, well, that that little love triangle there, I guess. Maybe she really does have feelings for Kaladin. Well, excuse me, Vale has feelings for Kaladin. Shalon is engaged to Adolin, you know. But just, like, the... <laughs> the... <laughs> the mental anguish that's that puts me in, like, just... Uh... That's tough. Only, as I said before a couple episodes ago, only Shalon could create a four-person love triangle with only three people. (laughs) That's true. Oh my gosh. How many times has Shalon been killed uh, since entering Kolinar? This is since entering Kolinar? Is this twice? This is twice. So she's been stabbed through the heart and shot through the head now um i i wanted to point this out i i meant to mention something in our last episode and this just really brings it to the forefront of i feel like since the end of honestly we've seen it some in words of radiance we'll just be going kind of about our business and there will be a really horrific yes like element like really like if if this was made in like made up well in a movie it would be very horror movie right energy and this is not as big as it gets like i'm thinking of like our sleepless like the mr kremling man like that first scene that's an edge dancer but whenever we see that that is really like horrific i'm also thinking of all the like ominous songs in words of radiance shalon flashback chapters yep there is this where she literally takes an arrow through the head and is really like like that's 
I mean, that could still kind of fit into like the action scene kind of movie trope, but you could also make that really horrific, right? Um, and, and stuff as well, and like are unmade, are mm-hmm. that's midnight what I was thinking, essence, are unmade and stuff yeah. like. Um, and honestly, so I didn't think about it in our first book at all, and it really wasn't until late in Words of Radiance or even Edge Dancer that I noticed it, and I don't know. If that's good or not. I, I feel like it's not. I feel like it's off theme for what I know of as the Stormlight Archive. It's definitely different from what we kind of grew up with, if you will, in Way of Kings. Way, Way of Kings was almost more like war movie, maybe? that There was a lot of violence. There was, you know, all those scenes with Bridge Four, but it, there wasn't like that jarring surprising violence like this is in this scene mm-hmm. like and i think it it's it's even kind of the way it is just because normally when you're reading a book like this you you don't ever expect your main character to take a crossbow bolt through the head at any point <laughs> like that just that's, it doesn't happen because they'd be dead your character your hero yeah is not going to die without some sort of drawn out heartfelt you know, death scene. So you can't just be, you know, we're going through the highest end. Oh yeah, Shalon takes a bolt to the head. It's like, wait, whoa, what? Like, and we even know that she can survive that kind of thing. It shouldn't be shocking necessarily, but it still is jarring because you're just not expecting your main character to take something like that because it never happens. It's something different a little bit about this story, actually, I think. I didn't actually... I read these books a lot faster when I first read these books. So I didn't get that, you know, the impact of that crossbow bolt. I didn't really pick up on, you know, like, oh, she, you know, she got shot moving on, whatever. But at the speed that we're going, we kind of, we, we flush out, we talk about all of these creepy stuff that's happening all over Oshar. And it wasn't, I didn't get that vibe that you're talking about, Paul, with just like the random horror element but I did in Mistborn. Um, and so for anybody who's read Mistborn, and if you're going to uh, keep reading Mistborn, which we'll get to eventually on the podcast, but I that is 100% true in Mistborn, where you'll be going along, you know, high, high fantasy, oh, this is fun. Oh, that is really gross. Like, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, like this... This scene, I wouldn't really put up there with our, like, horror moments, I would say. Um, like, crossbow bolt to the head is definitely disconcerting. It's a little, whoa, oh my goodness. But, like, we know that our characters can survive that, like, whatever. It's, it's like, extra gruesome, I guess. But, like, you know. Um, but I am thinking of kind of, like, our otherworldly things, like the the sleepless and things like that of being like okay that's that's kind of horrifying to imagine and stuff um it's starting to make me wonder with shalon taking all these what should be mortal wounds what is it going to take to take a, a night radiant down do we even know that like where where are the limits they're they're not invincible right so like how do you kill a radiant if a stab through the heart and a shot through the head aren't going to do it what does it take 
Does it? I have two thoughts. One is if they don't have Stormlight to draw from, right? Like, can they just sense, right? throw himself and they would right. die, like normally being stabbed through the heart, right? Right. Um, two. So Kaladin gets hit with a shard blade right at the end of book two. Um, like when he's fighting Zeth. The beginning of book two, but yes. Was it the beginning? When he's fighting oh. Zeth in the corridor with Adolin and Dalinar, he gets hit with the shard okay, blade. That's right. That's right. Oh, wait, no, Zeth is the one who gets hit with the shard blade at the end of yes. book two. Okay, okay. I was thinking of that. Okay. Never mind then. I was wondering, like, with like a good, you know, solid hit, like through the chest or whatever with a shard blade, would that kill a Knight Radiance? So, do you remember Kaladin's instructions to Adolin about Zeth? Don't get hit. About killing <laughs> Zeth. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Kaladin specifically knows this about himself he i don't know if he's been told this by sill or if he just has this intuition or whatever but it's the spine if this if this his spine is severed from his head then he dies um so there's there's two ways to to, to kill a knight's radiant either you have to deprive them of stormlight and then they'll die like anybody else or you have to sever the spine we kind of had this discussion when we talked about the the controversial Zeth scene, right? Where Paul's version was different than mine. Where yep. in, I think it was my version, Kaladin did cut through his spine, and the the assumption there was that Zeth died and then was theoretically like brought back from the dead by the the Herald guy. But in Paul and your version, he maybe didn't die or like just you know, barely hung on and survived. But I remember spine being an important part of that discussion. Yep. I don't remember who had which version or what, but I remember that as well. That's what I was thinking about. Just to recap, Paul, you had the up-to-date canon version. No, sorry. I thought mine was you, because they didn't was like, redo, the, right. redo the audio book. The audio book was recorded of the first. Right. Yeah, that's version, correct. In, I guess. in okay. your in the audiobook, Kaladin kills Zeth outright with like severs his spine. In the printed copy, Kaladin diverts his blow to his hand, cuts the shard blade free, grabs the shard blade, and Zeth kind of just falls into the storm. Um that's the that's right. the difference there. I still don't. I remember Zeth being found with a sliver of life. I, I I remember this well. Like I remember the vivid like he is cut with the shard blade and falls right. Um, and then I remember him being found like kind of on a sliver of health, and and Nail is the one who heals him, and he's like, if you were, if I waited any longer, you would have been too far gone or whatever. Um. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I we would have to relook at that, or if anyone watching wants to comment and correct us, feel free. Um, and that's not that important. But I don't remember if it says if it severed his spine. If that was like the the reason it was changed or what. But so so bottom line for Shalon, she can take mortal wounds as much as she wants, as long as they don't chop her head off or cut her spine correct got it 
a convenient ability. It is convenient ability. Unless you have back problems. Stormlight will just heal it. Heal it. Real good. All right, 73. We have Kaladin's, what we assume to be not quite his first day, but he's still new on the on the wall guard. He's talking back and forth with his new buddies. And Beard, his new pal guy, is telling all sorts of crazy stories about, oh, I knew Amaram, and I knew the Blackthorn back in the day. You know, I, I did secret op missions with the Blackthorn. And uh, Kaladin's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and there's an interesting distinction. They walk past Adolin, who is, who's Adolin's come to find Kaladin to give him the signal that everything's fine and you can keep, keep going with the wall guard and, uh, he's has the disguise on or whatever. And all the, all the light eyed guards that Kaladin is with have very like disdainful looks for Adolin. And, on my first read through, I I was under the impression that, you know, light eyes are light eyes and dark eyes are dark eyes. And there's a very clear distinction there. But for lowborn light eyes who are just manual labor guys, like soldiers, like anybody else, uh, they don't see it that way. They're like, oh, he's, you know, he's fifth, sixth dawn or whatever. And they actually have a slang term for it. I don't remember what it is. Um, I'll look it up here in a second, but they they don't view him as like don't view Adolin's class as useful at all they're like yeah my, they might as well party that's all they're good at and Dal- and uh, Kaladin's like you're talking about Adolin Kalin I mean you don't even know it but you're talking about Adolin Kalin how dare you <laughs> like <laughs> actually I related with this passage a little bit when I when I read it because them sort of writing off Adolin as a bit of a, you know, pompous, whatever, doesn't care about anything but fashion. That's kind of how I thought about Adolin when we first met him, to be honest. You know, when we first came across him, I kind of wrote him off as the the ladies' man who cares more about his social circle than his, you know, actual friends. But I've come a long way in the in the books we've read and i'm now firmly on kaladin's side of yeah adolin's a little bit silly sometimes but underneath there there is a, a good man there and, and kaladin kind of is a little riled by their reaction here and, and almost wants to jump in and say you know oh no that's adolin he's a he's a good man so i i, I get it from both sides here because i i thought that at first i definitely no longer think that now i can definitely agree with that uh, we've seen a lot more from Adolin over time um, and a lot of growth. And he's, I mean, in my, from what I can think of off the top of my head right now, is he's probably our most notable character that's not a Night Radiant. Um, yeah. Right now, because like everyone else in his circle is like Dalinar, Yasnet, Renarin, Shalon, Kaladin. So. And I know we we actually mentioned this. It might have been at the end of Words of Radiance, perhaps, that we thought this was going to be a source of friction, perhaps, that Adolin was going to, you know, not like the fact that he's the only not Knights Radiant in their whole circle here. But he seems to be taking it pretty well so far. He He's kind of just going about his business and, and contributing and 
not getting too uh, bothered by it. So it seems. I found the slang term. The slang term is middlers, like the middle, the middle dons. There, not the high, not the highborn high princes, and not the the lowborn guys who actually do all the work. It's the middlers who you don't pay any attention to. Ever as a, a middle child, I think I'm going to start calling you a middler. A middler, sounds good. Beard and Kaladin have a conversation, which take this with a grain of salt because it's coming from Beard. But um, Beard has a very interesting comment of he patrolled up near the palace recently and he heard whispers of join the palace guard, surrender yourself to the palace guard. And then into chapter 74, Shalon hears the cult of moments walking past. They're all dressed up as Spren. And she hears, surrender yourself. Why care? Surrender yourself to the end. And, you know, give up your, you know, whatever. I don't remember what it, exactly what it says. But what, what's happening here? I was fairly confused by this, to be honest. Because this actually starts to become another scene where Shalon starts to get lost in another personality again. Shalon almost tends, she almost like takes on the personality of whatever this Spren being is that's doing the whispering. And Shalon ends up like whispering to herself. It gets very confusing very quickly. But this does seem to be like a sort of voice that's trying to influence people. Is this the unmade? Is this just the like corrupted spren that are running around i'm i'm really not sure actually i'm assuming that the i'm assuming this is the unmade i'm also assuming that these corrupted spren are from the unmade at this point like there's no other indicator in my head that could point to otherwise so i'm pretty sold on this is the unmade and this is just kind of how it operates through kind of like a a mental surrender almost or like offering one's body i guess like like how she how this unmade gets control of people or things or however is kind of like this so um i did want to talk about beard for a second he's i think he's kind of hilarious to see or like here, like everything he says is so, so ridiculous. It's like Lopin times ten. Yes. It's like it's like Lopin, but like Lopin, whenever he tells stories that people are like, that didn't happen, Lopin. But like a million times, like you name any like notable person in Beard, is like, oh, I like saved his life or like whatever, like, and it's just always something ridiculous and untrue and stuff. But like, I never know. <laughs> I'm kind of. I think Beard is hilarious as a character for right now, but I'm a little annoyed because I feel like Brandon Sinison is going to use him to throw in a lot of things that are true that would be really cool <laughs> to know, and I just won't know what's true and what's not. Like I just have this aching feeling that Brandon Sanderson is going to do me like that <laughs> and just have Beard say these like crazy things, and I'm like, oh, haha, Beard, you're so silly. And then it's going to be something real and, you know. Yep. The the character I thought of when I read Beard was that one chef from Ratatouille 
that's like, I killed a man with this thumb. And he like, you know, tells all these ridiculously crazy stories that everyone's just like, yeah, whatever, man. And that while in the background, you like, no, he might be telling the truth. <laughs> like, that's how I'm now reading the the beard sections here of like, okay, crazy man. But like you're saying, Paul, but what if... What if, what if Beard is a Nitradiant, you know? What if Beard is a Herald? True. We'll never know. We decided a long time ago that everyone has a shard blade, so it wouldn't surprise me. I don't remember that, but... It was the same conversation that everything has a spren. It was oh, every, okay. everybody has a shard blade. I think it was just back in Way of Kings, we were just surprised by how many people started whipping out mm, shard blades because we thought they were going to be super rare. That sounds right. Yeah. It's when we had the revelation that Shallan had one. And we were like, mm -hmm. wait a minute, who all has a shard blade? Everyone's got a shard blade. Everyone and their mom. You know. Yep. Okay. Speaking okay. of Shallan, in 74, uh, she has the title of Swift Spren. She's been titled Swift Spren by the people of the city as she's handing out food this past week or however long it's been. And by the end of this chapter, she's so well known that she receives an invitation to the feast from the Cult of Moments. It's actually her accomplice girl, Ishna, um, who receives the invitation, but she's dressed up as Vale. So um, she receives an invitation to join the feast the day after tomorrow. Um, so we might be able to get into the cult of moments without getting stabbed this time, uh, coming up here soon. She does get stabbed. It's fine. She can just shrug it off. True. I, I'm looking at this as her like superhero alter ego. This is the swift spren is the, the superhero that, uh, Devar is. She goes back to the hideout and has an interesting conversation with Elokar. Elliot, you have a couple notes on this. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Yeah, I feel like we've been ragging on Shalon a little bit through some of these chapters, or at least talking about sort of the, the darkness that she's battling in this getting lost in her personalities. But the chapter actually ends with a little glimmer of, of hope in Shalon going back to this really cool ability that we've seen her do before where she inspires people and she she sees Elokar and she sees like the good noble man that is at kind of the core of of who Elokar is and she draws that and we've seen her do this before right where she draws somebody sort of like as they could be and it can sometimes help that person become that it can help you know inspire them to achieve what she sees in them. So this could be the moment. This could be a moment maybe that kind of pushes Elokar to succeed. He's kind of been the guy where we've, you know, pointed him of he's he's got the right heart. He's trying to do the right thing. He just always messes it up. Maybe Shalon can inspire him to not mess it up. Maybe this is a pivotal moment for him. So very, very cool scene here, I think, and very positive ending note here for Shalon as she draws a noble kingly Elokar. 
something else about Elicar that you have in the outline here that I'm very glad you put in here because, well, I'll let you guys talk about it and then I'll say something. Yeah, so this one, this was another like blink and you miss it moment that Sanderson loves to sneak in there. Shalon walks in, so this is before the, the, that drawing painting scene, and Elokar notices pattern on her skirt, and he's like, oh, that's an interesting pattern. I recognize that. And Shalon's like, oh, you recognize this? And then they move on. Like, that's all the conversation that happens there is like, hold on a second. Full stop. What? Elokar recognizes the, like complex intricate can't be comprehended pattern that pattern is what i don't want to talk about it <laughs> we can move on no apparently neither did Honest... shalon so <laughs> honestly the the sick joke same thing with beard of like uh brandon sanderson could use this for something huge mm-hmm. or he could just be a little coincidence and move on, right? This could just be like, oh, like I, Elicard saw it in a dream, knows, or yeah, Elicard probably knows fashion. He probably saw some other skirt and was like, yeah, it looks looks familiar, you know, you know, whatever, and stuff like more innocently, like not spring related. I could see that being the case, but I will say it, I am kind of starting, kind of starting is key kind of starting to like Elokar, and i have a lot of hope that he will become something notable um we talked about this a little bit of like could this be a big moment where Elokar has to like step forward with like a sedan or this unmade or things like that like with all of this that's going on um that would be really cool or even if Elokar somehow just becomes more significant um, and noticing pattern is probably a start, I guess. Um, I don't know what to make of it, and I feel like I shouldn't worry about it too much. Because I have my hands full. I'll be honest. I they've, they've been full since the start of Wave, you know, since the start of Words of Radiance, probably. I completely agree with you there, Paul. I. I'm adding this to my list of things to be concerned about, but it's like 18th on my list of, of things that I'm <laughs> looking for answers yeah. on. And I'm, you know, I'm just trying to think to myself, like where would Elokar have encountered a cryptic before? Or has he just like noticed pattern before? Like, yeah, maybe this is just not that important, but I kind of feel like it is. And I don't, my only guess coming out of this is maybe someone who we haven't realized yet is a light weaver. Maybe Elokar has seen another cryptic somewhere that's a spren paired with another light weaver, and we just haven't realized who that is yet, maybe. That's really all I can come up with at this, because, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about much bigger uh, fish right now. What if I made the fish a little bigger? Uh, sure. What if I were to Sounds like we'll be eating good? Go ahead. Go ahead. What if I were to tell you that this is not the first time you've read Elokar 
seeming to have seen a cryptic. And you've actually read it before and you missed it. Did he see um, Ivory Yasna's friend? Maybe. Somewhere? I'm referring... So, I'll just, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Words of Radiance... Chapter 7, maybe. Okay. Kaladin is invited in as the head of the guard to this super secret meeting of how are we going to take down the light eyes in the camp? Okay. How are we going to duel them all for the sharp blades? Elokar talks to Dalinar, or Dalinar explains everything to Adolin in front of Elokar of Elokar faked the assassination attempt. There was no assassination attempt. He faked his own saddle thing. Blah, blah, blah. And Elokar says, I didn't fake the gemstones. And don't for and I see shapes in the darkness. In reference to his assassination attempt stuff. He's like, I, I see I see shapes without heads in the darkness is his line. And like you, our actual humanoid depiction of the cryptic. Correct. If you remember back to Shalon's okay. first impressions of right. pattern, they're they're human, like human shapes with a pattern as a head. Yeah. So this is not like. Do you remember that where like she's being mm -hmm. chased by figures with patterns as heads, and the, yes. and she's drawing them in the in her stuff. I remember Elo that vividly. Elokar is it has been seen on page describing the same thing. Interesting. I want to say that that means like that he's being pursued by a cryptic in, in like a good way that like a cryptic is trying to bond with him to become a light weaver or something like that. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of that, we know that Pattern has been around Shalon like a long time. Correct. Like a really long time. Like when, when Shalon was seeing those cryptics following her around and there were those creepy scenes of her running away and stopping and drawing and ah, they're still chasing me, run away. She's already got Pattern at that point or Pattern's already with her. Right. So that doesn't quite line up in my mind. So yeah, either, either Elokar is being followed around by another Lightweaver or he's maybe on the path to becoming one himself, perhaps? To explain maybe? to explain what you just said, Elliot, in case not everyone's following, she's had her shard blade when she was young. And so she's had pattern for a while at that point and is still being pursued by cryptics for some reason. So Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>